T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest, don't you cry no more. Good morning, here we are again with a fresh edition of the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday, my friends. We kick things off with State Representative Stan McLean, basically covering almost everything that was done over the previous session that just ended. Let's talk to him right now on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Stan, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Uh, Look, I know it's been a long slog. This session is almost out. I guess Friday you will uh, call it a day. Um, I guess what are the big things that you want to try to put to bed before you leave? And and tell me just about some victories you feel like you had in this session. Sure, you bet. Thanks, Bob. I was thinking just now when I was listening to one of the ads, you said it was the best of times and it's the worst of times. That's kind of how it is in the Florida legislature right now. Uh, things, things at this point, this is where bills kind of start either getting finalized or they, they die off or something. But some of the big things we had to do this session, one of the biggest things we had to do is we had to do redistricting. And I know that you probably had, y'all had some conversations with some other legislators, legislators about it, but uh, on Thursday, we heard from the Supreme Court that our maps are legal and, and we followed all the rules that we were supposed to, and so all the districts are set. So Marion County, because it's grown so much, it got divided up five into five parts. From, so it will be represented by five different House members, um, one from Putnam, uh, one from Alaska, which will be uh, Rep. Henson, uh, Representative Bobby Payne, myself, Representative Joe Harding, and then there will be a new a new House member will be taking over part of Marion County. But anyway, so it'll be divided five ways, and uh, a lot of people don't think about it. But Marion County is one of the fifth largest by land mass. It's the fifth largest county in the state, and then obviously with our population growth, they had to find a way to divide it up. In the Senate, the Senate will just have there will be one Marion County will have one Senate one senator. It'll be Marion Marion Levy and part of Alachua, and that'll be represented by. Uh, Senator Perry going forward, but that was one of the really probably one of the you know the two the one two biggest things we had to do were get the get the maps done, and then the second part is we have to get the budget done, and we're in the last days of that right now. We have to have it finished by tomorrow to get out of here on Friday by Friday, so we have to have it, it has to set on it has a cooling off period, so it has to get done uh, by tomorrow. Uh, 
interestingly enough, the budget chair is um, uh, Representative Jay Trumbull out, of, and he's from Panama City. So not only is he trying to deal with the budget, but he's also trying to deal with uh, trying to help his community uh, deal with the fires that are happening up there. But uh, those are, you know, those are probably the two biggest things we're working on. And then we've got uh, just a, you know, there's plethora of bills that uh, we've been working on. I've personally been working on some, and looks like uh, I've had, I'll have one on the floor today, two on the floor tomorrow. I had one on the floor last week that passed, and and uh, so kind of excited about where we're at. And uh, from a budget perspective, I think. You know, the folks that we represent in North Central Florida, I think, uh, will will be able to do pretty good for everybody. So we're kind of excited about where we are uh, right now. One of them was uh, Senate Bill 524 uh, that is uh, establishes an office of elections crimes. This has to do with election integrity. Uh, has the House voted on that yet? We, uh, um, I, I think it's on the calendar for Today, I believe, or tomorrow, I'd have to. I'd have to go back and look. Like I say, we probably got. We heard ninety bills. Probably we heard a hundred and almost a hundred and some bills last Thursday and Friday. Wednesday, wow. Thursday and Friday. Um, yeah, and then the way it work. The way it works is is bills get on to go onto the floor. You you, you ask questions about them one day. You debate on vote on them the next day. So. Um, so we've got a rolling number of bills going on, but I know that, you know, obviously we've had a lot of conversation about that. It's not been in one of the silos that I serve in, so it's not one I've even got to hear yet, but it's one that's certainly created a lot of um, interest. I, I, I'm i sure we'll get it done. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's important for us to do that, and it's been uh, something, certainly something that the governor has, you know, wanted us to do as well, and so... But uh, I'd have to double check and see where it, where it is in the process. As a Second Amendment advocate, you know we're we're uh, concerned and hoping many of us were for a a constitutional carry law. The governor mentioned it recently. He said, "Get get the bill to my desk and I'll sign it." But he's not really telling the whole story because it gets bogged down. It doesn't even really get a fair chance at all. Who who is it that's holding it up? In, in we. So I think a lot of times on bills like that, and actually I, I filed that bill, oh, shoosh, I think in my first or second session I filed it. Um, we It hasn't, it just hasn't gained any traction. I think one of the challenges you have is trying to make sure that, I mean, obviously I think in the Florida House we could pass it through the House. I just don't know if we could get it through the Senate side. Um, and, you know, sometimes you try to look at the timing of issues. Um, I, I don't. I don't think any one person's holding it up. I think it may be just a, some different issues. Obviously, I'm a huge supporter of the Second Amendment, um, and as most of us are in the in the delegation there. But uh, um, it's sometimes it's just a matter of you know timing and and what other bills you're working on, and you know just we've done some we've had some bills that have taken up a fair amount of time already, and so it could be just from a timing perspective. Well, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it's a part-time thing, and like you said, you've got hundreds of bills actually moving through there. Um, hard to keep track of them all, and if, and it, the process is uh, a tough one because, you know, you can only deal with so many at a time. You can only debate so many at a time, and so I, I guess we can understand that. But when the governor himself calls for something like that, does that create a sense of urgency? 
not not necessarily. I mean, you know, obviously we tried to we we try to do what the governor wants to do a lot when he calls for things. We filed several bills this year that you know things that he's asked for. We've you know we've put those up on the table and and we passed several of them through both uh, and some of them have gone to his desk already. And so, um, but no, we do try to. We try to work with the executive branch, obviously, uh, and, you know, he's one, one part of our government. And then, you know, obviously we still have the legislative branch and um, it's a matter of, you know, managing all of those things through the process. I know you, you like I said, I know you, you guys are extremely busy, guys and gals. Um, has anybody taken the time to look at the price of gas as it starts to skyrocket now, how that might affect one of the most important things in Florida tourism? We, we, we have, you know, one of the early on, one of the things that the governor had talked about as well was maybe doing a gas tax holiday of some right. sort. The cha- the cha- the challenge with that is I think if, I think when, and again, it, it is that I was, I wasn't that I am the ways and means silo, which is tax and finance. Old ta- it was used to be called tax and finance, but it's ways and means. One of the conversations we had around that was, if we lowered the gas price, it almost exacerbates, you know, in other words, it exacerbates the problem even further. And now we've got an increased, uh, you know, this, <laughs> we could get into a long time. Look, the president of the United States needs to unleash the American oil producers in America. We could, we could make up for any deficit that's happening, any increased price in, in uh, petroleum because this, the, the the conflict in Russia and Ukraine, um, I think it's a false narrative by the current administration, um, and we could we could certainly do some things from that perspective that would help the entire country, not just Florida, but certainly Florida needs it, and certainly coming into into our you know to a season where we need to make sure that we have an adequate supply for people that are coming here, and so I think there's a greater problem here and that is that our oil production in america was shut down obviously you know just a couple of years ago we were paying a dollar and well 89 cents a gallon here we are it was 40 i think it was four i paid 405 for it yesterday wow. in tallahassee so <laughs> thanks so much for the work that you were doing state representative stan mclean please keep in touch with us and uh hopefully we'll get some good things done for this here sunshine state that we all love you bet thanks bob Coming up, Gilchrist County Sheriff Bobby Schultz is going to join us. Good news on the jail. We'll explain next on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning and happy Saturday. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind as now we're joined by Gilchrist County Sheriff Bobby Schultz. And there's some good news talking about building a jail. Let's get to it on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Bobby Schultz is in the house, and uh, good morning, Sheriff. How you doing? Good, sir. How you doing? Good. I heard you guys have to revert to horseback now because the price of fuel is going to break your uh, bank. We prefer a horse and carriage, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> For a smoother ride it's got or a big what? star on the side of the carriage. <laughs> Yeah, well, you put you can put uh, prisoners in a in a carriage. You can, it's a little harder to put them on the horseback with you. What a great lead into one of my questions. It has to do with the jail and the pre-approval. Looks like a green light, huh? Yeah, we're pretty we're pretty close and we're pretty excited. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the county commission met to go forward, and uh, they got the design. They've got the uh, some of the numbers. Now they put in the back into the uh, person who's going to be doing the construction to make sure that those. Uh, subcontractors they have and the materials are where they need to be so we can afford it so yeah we're we're very happy and excited that this thing might actually come to fruition all you got to do is uh you know get a da that doesn't prosecute for most crimes and you don't really need a jail well there's there's a lot of truth (laughs) of that too but we we would prefer having somebody who's going to be uh fair and consistent and uh going to do the appropriate thing and uh you know we're put folks that need to be in jail in jail and the ones that don't need to be they're not in there there you go yeah a little time out even for adults can be a good thing uh what's going on with the sex offender registry well um that's one of the things that we've been trying to to work on here at the sheriff's office you know there's uh there's lots of requirements that the judicial system puts on sex offenders and sexual predators and uh we feel i feel that sometimes these folks moving into our county are, who are sex offenders feel like because we're a rural county that they might get lost in the shuffle, that maybe their uh, some of their activities won't be as scrutinized or, or be held accountable. And uh, that's just simply not the case. Um, we've got a, a team that goes out and uh, makes sure that those offenders and predators are held accountable. Um, we make sure that they're uh, twice to four times a month or a year. They get checked on. We make sure that they're updating their their files here where they're supposed to register. And, again, we're holding them accountable. And uh, you'd be surprised how many folks, uh, they don't they don't want to be held accountable, surprisingly. Wow. Well, it, yeah, but if they think that they can be in a rural area and we're going to fly under the radar, people in rural areas notice differences and changes in different faces, uh, much more so than people in a cityscape. Yes, sir. And, you know, you know, Governor DeSantis, you know, he's got this uh, thing where he wants to make law enforcement in Florida the most advantageous state in the country to come to work. And quite frankly, you know, we want everybody to know that Gilchrist County is going to be one of those places that if if you want to fly underneath the radar, this isn't the place for you to move to. We're going to hold you accountable. You know, we're not, you know, harassment ain't part of it, but the laws require us to do a certain amount of uh, 
check-in, a certain amount of holding accountable, and we're going to do that here. And we have been doing it, and here in the very near future, you'll see some of those fruits of that, of those uh, investigations and that accountability. Hey, it had to be uh, a great feeling when uh, one of your Leo brothers, uh, Deputy Troy Anderson, uh, made his recovery and was uh, uh, getting back to Taylor County. Tell me how that went. Well, we uh, we worked with our neighboring counties, uh, Latcher County Sheriff's Office. Um, uh, Deputy Anderson was released yesterday, roughly around uh, 12. And uh, the Latcher County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Watson and them, they, they escorted them to the, the Latcher County line to their western boundary. We picked them up on State 26, uh, showed some Gilchrist County uh, love to the to the deputy and his family. Uh, and we brought them to the Dixie County line where Sheriff Butler took them into Taylor County. And uh, it was, uh, you know, we're, we're proud of those heroes. We're proud of law enforcement and the, and the first responders that, that give so much. And uh, I, one of my lieutenants was uh, with me as we were escorting them. And um, as we went by Trenton Elementary on 26, uh, the elementary school actually had all their children out waving at this hero as he comes through our county. And I got to tell you, I, I teared up. And um, that's the kind of love and support that law enforcement in our area gets. And we pray for a, a speedy, uh, continued recovery for Deputy Anderson his, and his, pray for his family and his work family there at the Taylor County Sheriff's Office. Well, that's why it's so important, too, what we teach the kids in school. Obviously, uh, uh, those young people have a healthy respect for law enforcement, and that's probably due to great parenting and good teachers. So a shout-out to those folks, too. Agreed, uh, agreed. Um, uh, two two more things left. Pending legislation. What's what's going through Tallahassee that's going to impact uh, uh, you or your job directly or, the, or your deputies? Well, actually, a, a couple things just passed. I was told uh, late last night that and that we're very proud of. And I think that the, the citizens should be proud of one of them is uh, basically it's uh, on juvenile justice and how they they take these uh, juvenile offenders and bring them into the the system. Very paraphrasing. Normally, a judge is required that to put if uh, on certain cases twenty one days in yep. a, uh, in a detention facility, and it didn't leave very much um, discretion to them. And what we were finding in, like, specifically in Marion County and Pinellas County, um, these, in, these, these kids were offending. They'd get to 21 days, they'd get right back out and reoffend. Get, get 21 days, get back out and reoffend. This new law re- will allow judges' discretion to hold them longer than 21 days and be able to put them on um, devices to hold them more accountable. So uh, we're excited about that. In Gilchrist County, we've had it. You'll have some kids come out. They'll burglarize a bunch of cars or houses. Uh, they'll be sent, and they can't be kept. And they get released, and the same next night, they're doing the same dadgum thing. This this new law will prevent that from happening, at least curb some of it and give the judges a little more teeth when, when they're handling these children. Because the kids that we're dealing with today that are breaking the law such as this, uh, they need to be held accountable, and this is the only way to make our community safer, and, and we're, we're proud of that legislation. Well, if they're not caught and effectively punished, a lot of times they'll escalate to more dangerous crimes, and um, that's not good for anybody, obviously. Uh, what about uh, Stand Your Ground? What's going on there? You ha- I think you had – didn't you have a local case re- regarding that? But we, we've had a few um, in Gilchrist County. Um, 
I'm I'm probably one of the only sheriffs around, but I I actually I haven't been able to do it in the past couple of years for obvious reasons with with crowds. But previously, I'd, I'd go over through like throughout my county, and I would encourage folks to to arm yourselves reasonably, responsibly, and legally, uh, because you know as much as my deputies want to be there in the situation, uh, we're rural county, and when we uh, we have a, a problem on the north end of my county and our deputies on the south end of the county, it can take 20 minutes to get there, yeah. no matter how bad we want to get there. And so the, the stand your ground, well, you just seen in Taylor County yeah, uh, with the deputy that got shot. I mean, um, the homeowner exercised his Second uh, Amendment rights to effectiveness, and we encourage that in Gilchrist County. You know, I want all these, these – uh, these idiots out here is committing crimes. They want to break into your house and do you harm. That when you when you knock on our doors or you kick in that window or you go in that door, you don't know who's on the other side. And you know, we we educate our our citizens. We even do concealed weapon courses. Um, we actually have one on April the second coming up at the Gilchrist County Sheriff's Office. But we do them quite regular. Uh, any of the listeners who's interested in that, uh, there'll be a Facebook post up pretty soon on the Gilchrist County Sheriff's Office Facebook page. You'll get some information. Uh, Captain Todd Hawley uh, runs that for me, and uh, it's a good public service. But um, we, we believe in the Second Amendment here, and, uh, and it's, it's saved lives. In, in my county, there's no question, and without doubt, it has saved lives. Um, and understand that I understand what the standard ground law means and so does our state attorney and we we want you to protect yourself well said sheriff we always appreciate having you on the air and uh you're sharing with the listeners what's going on gilchrist county and law enforcement thanks once again and stay safe thanks sir y'all have a good day don't go away coming up next state representative daniel perez talking about the election integrity bill that is just about through tallahassee we'll talk to him next on the bob rose rewind 97.3 the sky Good morning and welcome. It's the Bob Rose Rewind. And can you believe it? We're still working on election integrity. I thought that was solved. But joining us now, State Representative Daniel Perez to explain this new bill on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Dan. How you doing? Good morning to you guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. I, You know, I thought that Florida was one of the very quick and proactive states to deal with, uh, you know, some of the things that happened post-election that we looked at, mail-out ballots, things like that. I thought we addressed it. So um, some are confused a little bit about what this particular bill, 7061 or 7063, uh, that you're a co-sponsor of. What is it all about? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. We're fortunate enough uh, in today's day and age to have uh, one of the safest, fairest, and most accurate election processes in the entire country. And if you remember, that's actually a, a big change from where we were several years ago with what took place in Broward County. But uh, thanks to the governor and the legislature, we've we've changed that and we've gone in a positive direction. But unfortunately, bad people will still exist and bad people do bad things. And what we've done in this bill is we have increased the resources for the Department of State to have sworn and unsworn officers uh, within the Office of Election Security, in order to investigate the fraud that comes to the Department of State on behalf 
of the citizens of, of, of Florida, the residents of Florida. And, and, and we, we've put some resources there to help the local supervisor of elections in order for them to eventually send over the uh, alleged fraud to the prosecutor, to a state attorney, or through the attorney general so that we can hold those bad actors accountable. And uh, that, that is the, the crux of the bill. But we've all, we have some, some other parts which I think are important for the listeners to learn about, which is the increase in criminal penalties for people that are ballot harvesting. Uh, people that are forging signatures, or people that are getting paid per petition collected. And we've increased that penalty from a misdemeanor to a third-degree felony of the first year. Wow. Okay, so getting serious about it, which is I think is a great thing. Can you give me an example of what would be considered fraudulent behavior when it comes to voting? Fraudulent behavior could be a person that is collecting 10 ballots, uh, 20 ballots, 30 ballots, uh, and submitting them on behalf of people that are not their immediate family. Fraudulent uh, action or, or, or fraudulent acts could be a person that is forging signatures on a voter registration card, on a change of party request, uh, or not submitting them at all, or submitting them past the deadline. So there's there's many there's many avenues, and we leave that discretion up to the Department of State here in this bill and their, and their new Office of Election Security in order for them to do the investigation get all the facts, put it on paper, and see if it's best or not to uh, prosecute those those complaints into criminal criminal actions. What kind of costs are we looking at by expanding, uh, I guess, what would be investigation uh, units and stuff like that to police the, uh, you know, these things? Yeah. So the way that we have it this year, we have it at $3.7 million uh, in order to make sure that the resources are there. A little over $2 million of that is going to be in recurring, but the beautiful thing about Florida is we're one of the few states that have a balanced budget. And so next year we'll be back here and we'll make sure uh, that the funds that are necessary are put into the budget. But we will analyze it on an annual basis. If we see that the resources need to be increased, then future legislatures will be able to do so. If they think it needs to be decreased, decreased, then likewise they will be able to change that. And does this um, law, and maybe it was addressed in the previous one, but I just want to make sure that, you know, they're constantly purging voter rolls to make sure people that have moved or died or otherwise ineligible to vote are purged from the the voters uh, registration rolls uh, does this address that yes it, it absolutely does right now it's called the list maintenance right now that's done on a biannual basis we've changed that in the bill in order for it to happen on an annual basis You'd be surprised to know some supervisor of elections, and I know in Leon County they do this, they actually use a national change of address portal through what's called ERIC on a 60-day basis. So they're updating their records regularly, but that's not the case for all supervisor of elections. But after this bill passes, it would be a requirement that on an annual basis, um, one of the portals, for example, national change of address, uh, is used in order to update the voter the voter rolls to make sure that whoever is voting is uh, supposed to be voting, supposed to be voting in this state, and is a person that has uh, fulfilled all the requirements to vote. Where are we at in the process? Uh, is this just about done? Do you still have to vote on it? I know Friday's the last day. So yesterday we, and that's a good question, yesterday we had a, a um, question and answer section uh, on the floor of the House of Representatives for about three hours. And we took up the Senate version. So the Senate voted this same bill off their floor. They sent it over to the House. We took it up yesterday. And today, uh, which I'm walking in to, to, the, to the House in a little bit, today we will be debating this issue and then voting on this bill. And once we pass this bill off the floor of the House of Representatives here in Tallahassee, we'll be sending it to the governor. And I know the governor will be uh, very excited and very happy 
uh, further along the integrity of our elections in the state of Florida, and I expect him to sign this bill. Hey, complete curveball out of left field, but uh, I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. Indiana just passed a constitutional carry. Um, it gets talked about a lot in the Florida legislature, and even the governor has mentioned that he would be for it if somebody would bring it to his desk. There's some politics being played. Can you explain to people why we can't get constitutional carry move forward in Tallahassee? Yeah, look, that, that's a bill that this year was, was not taken up. Um, but we'll be back next year, and, and I'm sure someone will introduce it next year, and um, that'll be a, a, a different a different playing field. Uh, so we'll see what that looks like next year. But this year we had redistricting, with, which is a process that takes place once every 10 years. And so the primary focus this year in Tallahassee was to make sure that uh, the redistricting process was taken seriously, was detailed, was thorough, was talked out, and we were able to do so. It's not just the, the House maps, but it's the Senate maps, the congressional maps, uh, all of them have been voted off the floor of the House and the Senate. We're waiting on signature uh, from the governor on the congressional issue, uh, which is a completely separate topic. But, you know, that was that was the primary focus, along with passing a balanced budget, uh, which we've been able to do in Florida. Uh, so I, I expect that to, to continue to move forward uh, this year. And all issues that haven't passed, which there are many issues uh, that, that have been filed uh, and put before this body that, that haven't had uh, success. I expect many of them to come back next year. That was State Representative Daniel Perez on the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday, my friends. Stand by. Coming up next, Congresswoman Kat Kamek. We're going to talk gas prices, energy, and more coming up on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning and happy Saturday. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind. Congresswoman Kat Kamek joining us talking about gas prices and what is exactly the game plan that Democrats are going to present that has to do with energy. Let's talk about it right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Kat. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I, like many Americans, uh, am feeling the pain already at the pump. Uh, Everybody's talking about it. Gas prices are up. This ban on Russian oil, I would assume, is going to make things worse. What's uh, what's the end in sight? How high will this go? What can we do? Oh, you know, let me tell you, this is the most frustrating uh, thing that we're dealing with up here right now, because as you mentioned, yes, we're we're going to ban Russian oil, which needs to happen because on one side you have the United States sending lethal aid to Ukraine, and then on the other side buying Russian oil. So they're financing both sides of the campaign and or of the war. And so it's it's been a really really uh, frustrating week up here because not only have we still not seen language in Congress to ban the Russian oil. But the Democrats still refuse to come to the table on opening up our domestic energy sector. Yesterday, I I sat there and listened to Press Secretary Saki lie through her teeth about how there's close to 9,000 leases of domestic energy that has gone unused. It's because not a single permit under this administration has been approved, not a single one. And there's currently six permits that are waiting approval, that have gone through every Army Corps of Engineers, every approval process you can imagine. There's a final step, and this administration refuses to sign off on them. And so it is this administration that is the reason that we are all paying for 
four and a half dollars for gas uh, per gallon because they refuse to allow us to produce it here domestically. And with this ban, you're going to see the price of gas go up even more so, which of course is going to trickle down into every sector. You think the price of lumber going back up is bad now? Uh, we were talking with some producers in our area, Bob, and they said that in one day they had gas go over 60 cents a gallon go up and they are going to have to shut down their production because they can no longer afford to keep running their operation, which means for a local producer, a timber operator who's getting product to the mill, who's then turning around and that goes to, you know, all the building and, and, and Lowe's and Home Depot and all the other uh, projects around, that is going to skyrocket cost of goods everywhere, not to mention services. It's a disaster. It is truly a disaster up here right now. Well, yeah. I mean, look, it's going to nail the economy in, in so many different ways. Like you just said, look, if uh, part of the transportation sector uh, shuts down or prices are reflected much higher on everything and people have less money in their pocket because they're spending it all on gas, yeah, it's going to have a catastrophic effect if it continues. I mean, is there a light at the end of the tunnel or is that a freight train coming at us? It's quite frankly, and I, I know that people people want to say that that, you know, tomorrow we could get things up and running. If Republicans were in charge of the House and Senate, yes, we could. But because this administration refuses to even acknowledge, along with Nancy Pelosi, Hakeem Jeffries, who's one of the leaders in the Democratic caucus, yesterday in a press conference said, we don't hear about gas prices from our constituents. They're not even willing to acknowledge the pain wow. that everyday Americans are going through. It's disgusting. And it's all the more reason, and I, I know I tell this to you every time we talk, Bob, we have to take the House back. Everyone is saying, get things going, impeach the guy, dude. We don't have the vote. We are five votes short. We have to take back the House if we're going to get this country back on track. How, how would taking back the House help ease the, the gas prices? So right away, we would override the uh, administration when it came to the small-scale LNG exporting we would reauthorize all of the funding for the agencies that do the approvals on this. And we could override the president when it came to Keystone because we control the purse strings, not him. And we're going to get us back into a place where Congress has the leading role. The president was never intended to be able to start and stop projects with the stroke of a pen. We know that on day one, he, he killed the Keystone pipeline and by extension, American independence, and 11,000 jobs. He can't seem to find that pen today to get us back on track. So Congress has no choice. We're going to be exerting our constitutional authority in all things, including holding him accountable. Real quick, on uh, he also signed an executive order, which I thought it was a would be a legislative action that people would debate and talk about before. But uh, he, he used executive actions to uh, for to try to manage cryptocurrency. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, yeah, you know, and that's the thing that that is really frustrating. You know, crypto is going to be a mainstay in not just our economy here in the United States, but this is going to be a global movement. And it needs to be decentralized because we already are seeing how countries like China can manipulate their currency and by effect that creates this, this rolling downhill of, of goods and services being thrown out of whack. It creates trade deficits. So crypto is going to be filling a void that is critically important as we move into the 21st century. 
This administration is fearful of how crypto can be used. They don't understand blockchain. And so we are pushing right now to make sure that crypto stays a very decentralized. We do not want more government regulation. And we want to make sure that we're being proactive in how we roll this out, because we all know that government can mess anything up very, very quickly. Uh, you mentioned something real quick, Bob, about um, how we can get energy back up online. Yes. Uh, last year, my very first bill that I ever introduced was called the RAINS Act. And it is a bill that deems any regulation that the administration or an agency wants to roll out on the American people, if it has a $100 million impact or more, it has to come back to Congress for an up or down vote. Because the people rolling these regulations out, they are not held accountable to anybody. Nobody can hire or fire them that, you know, through an election like you can your representatives. So this would force this administration to come back to Congress for approval on all of the executive actions that they're taking because they all have a more than $100 million industry impact. So I've already got the bill uh, with over 100 co-sponsors. It is ready to go, and it will be passed in the first 100 days of the next Congress starting in January. That's going to be a game changer for industry, for businesses, for people on um, living paycheck to paycheck, fixed incomes. No longer will this administration and administrations like this to come be able to hold the American people hostage through executive orders. Uh, All right, let's switch gears. So uh, there's a catastrophic situation uh, going on between Ukraine and Russia, and the president's answer is to send his most brilliant point person, Kamala Harris, to to take charge. So you can comment on that. And I also want to ask you, can we do more to help Ukraine, and and what would that be? So it's two-part. Yeah, you know, I I think... um, I think they're so sick and tired of Vice President Harris that they're just sending her anywhere to get her out of their hair. Uh, She can't seem to keep a staff on board, and everywhere she goes, she just mumbles and fumbles and cackles her way through. And and, and I've said this before. This is a time when we need very serious, thoughtful, proactive leaders in the room at, at minimum should be able to articulate a sentence in a complete, coherent way. She is not capable of that. The things that come out of that woman's mouth fear, make me fearful for what the repercussions are as the world watches this. Mm-hmm. No one respects the United States today because of this administration. No one, uh, our enemies, China, Russia, they have no fear in what they're doing because they know that under this administration, the America, the, the America that we know and love is weak. And so... Her continued presence over there is going to be damaging. It is going to be, like I said, probably catastrophic because I have heard from ambassadors. I have heard from presidents of other nations that when she comes into town, she makes promises. She never keeps them. She uh, redirects and misdirects on key issues. Our, Our allies around the world can't depend on this administration, which is why we're trying to place Congress in such a role that we can fill that leadership void. Yeah, and and then, as far as what more... Yeah, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, as far as what we could be doing on Ukraine, I mean, listen, uh, Biden withheld lethal aid going as far back to last summer. There were talks with Ukraine about this going back to last February. Uh, Congress authorized it in November. He held it up. It was literally aid sitting in other countries and at the Ukrainian border. So he is squarely responsible for the fact that the aid that was authorized never made it. Uh, the other thing is uh, no-fly zone. Very controversial. 
we need NATO and our uh, uh, EU partners to come to the table on this. Germany is waffling. They're so tied in and they're so deep with Russia as far as how their economy and their country can function on basic needs like energy, for example. It's going to take everybody coming to the table with no excuses to make a big difference in outcome in Ukraine. But I got to I got to tell you what we're hearing and what we're seeing. That is grit. That is fire. People fighting back. And I got to say, some of these uh, Democrats that are quick to judge the Second Amendment advocates here in our country they sure are champions for the Second Amendment in other countries demanding that people get weapons in their hands so they can defend themselves. Really interesting dynamic. Another, yeah, right another great irony. Cat uh, Kamek, Congresswoman Cat Kamek, we appreciate your time on the Bob Rose Show. Keep fighting the good fight. We appreciate it and stay safe. Thanks so much. Go Gators. That was Congresswoman Kat Kamek on the Bob Rose Rewind. State Rep Daniel Perez before that. We also had Gilchrist County Sheriff Bobby Schultz on. And we started things off with State Representative Stan McLean. Thank you for tuning in and supporting the Bob Rose Rewind. And thanks to all my guests. And I invite you to tune in to the Bob Rose Show. Monday morning at 6 with Greg Cassidy on 97.3 The Sky.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.